Mesdames et Messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Hi, this is Jill Jarris, and welcome to this bonus edition of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympic fans. As my lovely co-host, Allison Brown, mentioned on our show this past week, we had an amazing conversation with figure skating analyst Jackie Wong, who runs rockerskating.com and also tweets under the same handle, Rocker Skating. And he is also host of a podcast on the Ice Network about figure skating. We had this great interview, and we just couldn't include all of it on our figure skating episode, but we wanted to share it with you here. So if you love figure skating and you love getting into the ins and outs of the point system, and if you'd like to hear me wax poetic about spirals, this is your opportunity. It's a great interview, and uh, we really appreciate Jackie taking his time to talk to us, and uh, we'd love to, we were so excited to present the full interview raw and uncut for you here. So thanks so much for listening and tell a friend about the show. One of the things we were talking about is, you know, a lot of people just watch figure skating every four years at the Olympics. They are not, you know, real serious uh, analysts. And, you know, they go over all the different jumps. And so most people, when they're watching it, they know it's bad when somebody falls, (laughs) but... That's about it. it. That's it. So for the casual fan, what can you tell them to look for on TV, especially? Okay. To sort of discern good from bad or good from excellent, kind of all those variations. Okay. Um, so for for the casual fan, I mean, you're right. The, the falls are basically the, the, the biggest deterrent, um, but... Then you get into things like popped jumps. You get into things like under rotations, which even for uh, more seasoned figure skating fans, it's it's a little bit tougher to discern. Um, popped jumps are, uh, I think, I, I don't think the the casual figure skating fan understands the the penalty that a, a pop jump gets, right? So uh, if you're doing a quad, for example, and it's a it's a quad toe and it's supposed to be 10 plus points, the fall on a quad toe basically gets you to about six points of, of, um, of base value. And then, not of base value, of total value. Um, after the grades of execution happen and, and all, this, all this and all that. But then if you popped that quad into a single toe, you basically get zero points. So that, Okay, so popping is you meant to do a quad, but you only completed one or two rotations. Or, or even three rotations. Like you can pop a quad into a triple. Uh, but that's, that's rare. It's rare to see a popped quad into a triple. It's much more uh, likely that it's popped into a single or a double. Um, so and, that's, and how, how, yeah. how does it happen that, how does a popped jump happen or how does a skater pop a jump? Pop jumps happen pretty automatically. It's something that your body feels something is off 
and it it just uh, you 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 go into a mode where you're like, no, I'm not gonna pull in. And and a lot of times it's a it's a muscle memory kind of thing. And if you say slipped off your edge or slipped off your toe, or just th there's something that was off about that the entry of that jump, that's when you that's when you doubt yourself and your body knows, okay, I'm going to be able to land a single toe or I'm going to be able to land a double toe and and that's when pops happen. So in the old days, see now this is why I, I'm even confused because the judges are given a planned, I mean I know short program, there are required elements, they know what you're going to do. Yep. That's true in long program as well? Um, there are no requirements per right. se. There are, um, there are like elements that you are that you need to do or that you are allowed to do so for the men for example you have a maximum of eight jumping passes and when you're in a profit maximization equation like a free skate you uh you do all eight jump elements in order to get all the points that you need to get so um so eight jump requirements, uh, you know, a certain number of spins, a choreographic sequence, and a and a step sequence. So, the judges, the 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 technical panel and the judges get a set list of the the elements that a skater has planned. Oh, they do. Okay, they do. so they, they know do. what you're going to do. They know what you're planning to do. Planning what, to whether, do. <laughs> yeah, whether or not you're going to do that is a whole different story. Different story. So um, Nathan Chen, for example, um, a name you will hear a lot about over the next month and a half. Um, he has a, 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 a very strong history of changing his mind literally right before he starts his program uh, because his his warm up went this way or that way or his practices during the week have gone this way and that way. And the, the skaters will submit those those planned elements before the competition actually starts. So whatever happens during the week, it may change the way that you uh, you want to approach your program um, because of the percentages of what you're doing in practice. And and Nathan, because he has five different quads in his arsenal, he's able to um, he's able to make the kinds of adjustments based on how he feels and not actually have any issues with, you know, losing points over, uh, you know, watering down, quote unquote, his elements. So like at Nationals um, last weekend, he, he did five quads in the free skate, but five the, the order and the, and the types of quads that he was doing in that free skate were d very different from what he's been doing all season because he was struggling with the quad LUTs during the week and he just took it out and he replaced it with something else. So do they have to approach the judges at any point and let them know that those changes have happened? No. Or it's... No. That's okay. The technical callers will just, will just call the jumps and the spins as they see it. It just, it allows them to kind of watch out for stuff um, as it happens. Okay. So it's it's planned, but it's still they're just judging on what they see as oh, opposed totally. to what you were what you were planning to do. So you're not really losing points because you didn't do something that was on your list. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. 
you're, 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 um, there is no losing of points. There's only gaining of points based on what you do. Okay. So everything that the skaters do now in the, in the new system, we were joking about how long are we going to be calling it the new system, um, is gaining points. Whereas the old days, it was, everything was out of 6.0. Yeah, exactly. That's the most anybody could get, but now it's it's just, you get this many points for this spin, this many points for this jump, and they construct the programs based on maximizing that total that's possible. Exactly. Um, And I, I won't get too technical into the details, but what has happened over the last few years, especially with the men, is that the technical part of the equation, the the technical element score, has no ceiling per se because you can do, you know, harder jumps and they get harder. They they get they get more points. There is obviously a ceiling of kind of physical, physically what you can actually do technically. That's physically possible. Um, but then with the program component score, which is the uh, the, the the vestige of the what used to be called um, artistic impression or um, presentation or whatever you want to call it back back in the day, uh, it had so many other names to it. Um, the program components actually does have a cap because all the judges score those components out of ten. So. Um, and it's weighted a certain way. So what's happened in the last couple of years is that the technical score, especially for the men, has really gained um, kind of an advantage over that program component score. And so that's why you see the technical mark go higher and higher and higher because the men understand that if they need, if they want to win, they're going to need to continue to up their their technical score and and now that it's kind of more and more possible to do all these quads um that's what's been happening over the last couple of years so that's something uh, that's been different okay so they they got rid of the 6.0 system and put in this system to make it more fair to make it more representative yes and you know it came out of the cheating scandal from uh 2002 2002. yeah 2002 um has it accomplished that? It has and it has not. Okay. Um, it has in the sense that, uh, especially for the technical mark, you are very much able to say, look, um, Skater X did a triple let's triple toe and uh, she got this number of points and it was done pretty well. And so she got this amount of grade of execution, that's why you get the score that you get to. So the, the technical mark tends to be much more objective and fair um, and also accountable because you're literally seeing all of the elements come out in the protocols sheets that that, that come out after the competitions. Uh, the component mark is where uh, there is, you know, not so much funny business, but that's where it gets more subjective. and. The components have been defined such that it's more measurable because back in the old days, it literally was like one mark for artistic impression, one mark for you know presentation. Now it's literally five marks that have to do with skating skills, 
transitions, composition, and in, in, uh, interpretation, and choreography. And so, as a judge, you are supposed to look at a program and say, "This person has, uh, you know, is is a, an eight in skating skills, and is a five in transitions, is a seven in in interpretation." So, um, there is oh, there is a little bit more of a uh, a a push toward objectivity in the subjective world, uh, but that's where you know preferences come in, um, biases come in, whether it's availability bias or it's national bias or it's any sort of other kind of bias. Like uh, you know, but I would say for the mo for the vast majority of of the skating that I've seen over the past. 14 years since the, the the judging system has come about in 2003 um, that the, the 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 you you might be able to argue one thing or another with with components but the general results have been pretty good do you think it makes it more difficult or easier for fans to connect with the scoring and and where people are and how they compare I think it depends on who you talk to. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you talk to someone who has watched figure skating since you know the '60s and they don't see 6.0 anymore, uh, it it gets to be like, well, what are all these points? But then, when you have somebody who is able to explain what all these points are about, it gets to be much more understandable because, you know, you can think about 6.0 all you want with with those marks. There have been so many times back in the old judging system days where literally people are completely confused as to why skater X got a 5.8 and skater Y got a 5.7 right. when it looks like they did exactly the same thing. And now at least you're able to justify that by saying, look, the technical part of this, you can see what jumps they did. You can see the points that they earned for those jumps and spins and, and step sequences. And that's why you got this score. And so I think to the casual fan, when they, when they are seeing it for the first time and without any context, the scoring system gets to be much more convoluted. But if they have somebody to actually explain to them what happened, it 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 actually makes the sport more credible and you know kind of as credible as it gets because ultimately you do have judges talking about interpretation and choreography and that's something that is less uh, objective. Yeah, I I think for me that it makes it simpler because it's whoever's got the highest score wins. Right. Whereas in the old days there was ordinals, oh, ordinals. And, you needed, yeah. and you needed help. Don't you remember those days where it was, you know, you finished first in the long program, but you needed so and so to beat so and so. You know, the, oh, that was yeah. Sarah Hughes' story in yeah. in two thousand two. She, she know, got help. She got help, yeah. and that's how it happened. I mean, it, she didn't necessarily. I don't want to say she didn't win because that's not fair, but it wasn't so straightforward. Yeah, uh, ordinals were the most confusing thing, and I think the the people who like to defend 6.0 as an understandable system like to forget about the fact that ordinals existed. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
because especially and and I I would you can tell us if this still happens the earlier you skate in a group or the evening the harder it is for you because aren't the judges waiting to see what happens to the people at the end especially exactly. in the long program right because that's skated in order of uh no no it's not it's still it's still it, random is it drop. still skated random no, or it's not. It? It's not random. It's, it's not it's, random anymore. Okay. Yeah. Um. It's it's never been random. Well, I say random within the group. Yeah. Okay. It's so um the the draws happen uh based on the 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 finish of uh, uh the finishes of the short program. There are still draws within those groups, so it's a little bit random. Um. But the the uh again not to get too technical, but for example. The final group, you'll see, you know, if it's six skaters, you'll see the the last three draw first, and then the the first the 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 kind of um, fourth, fifth, and sixth draw the places for the, for the first three to skate. So it's 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 sort of in order of the short program standings, but it is um, a little bit a little bit random. Um, so it's not necessarily six five four three two one. It's six five four do the first three, and then three two one do the last three. Okay. In in some order. Um, but what I'll say too is um, to your point about um, the judges saving marks, quote unquote. It, in this .0 system, it literally was about relatively giving marks to each other and so you are you know when you give a 5.0 to the second skater you are kind of saving the rest of those marks for for the for the top skaters um that that happens a lot less now because of that you know half of that being being um the technical mark and half of that being the component mark that said there are still residual behaviors from judges in the old system that has kind of carried over. And so it's this sort of mishmash of um, what the old system was, which was saving marks, and then what the new system is, which is you're supposed to be judging what you see in front of you, regardless of what everybody else is doing. Do you think that's just a matter of time in terms of old judges retiring and the people who've judged in the new system their whole careers yeah. kind of that turnover it's behavioral change uh, yeah. i wrote a whole post about it it's yeah it i was, read it. <laughs> yeah. it it was literally that they they did they changed the system but they didn't have like an entire overhaul of behavior um, you know, they train their judges. They'll they 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 give the, they gave them all the 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 the, uh, the rubric for how how do you do this and how do you do that. But there was no kind of systematic organizational change that they went through. And and um, you know, as as someone who does a bit of that in business, it 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 boggles my mind that it didn't happen here because it literally you're taking the judges who have judged all their lives in one system and you're bringing them to a completely new system that's supposed to be a radical shift from what it used to be, but then you don't actually give them the ownership of that new system. And so that's how the old behaviors kind of crept into the new system. 
and you know when 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 it does that to start with it just just kind of continues right that makes sense so on to the other big thing the russians yes yes so my first question we were talking about this earlier do you know if the russians are going to be allowed to compete in the team event yes um, they are that as far as i I know they are, and they will compete under the uh, uh, um, OAR, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are yeah, uh, big athletes from Russia. Label. Um, and that was something that was, uh, if you look at the IOC announcement um, of of the of the 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 ban of the the Russian Olympic Committee, and then the establishment of the OAR, it does talk about individual athletes and teams. Okay. So they will, they would compete at under OAR. That, okay. is, that is how I understand it to be. I know some of the uh, skaters were talking about not going anyway. What have you heard? You know, are we getting the Russians coming? We're getting the Russians. I, yeah. there's, there is, <laughs> I cannot imagine that the the Russian team not not being at the Olympics, and it's the you know the the, the doping scandals in 2014 had so much to do with all the other sports, um, you know, especially the the kind of more strength and endurance sports like cross country skiing or like bobsled or you know those kinds of things, and and so um, as far as I know. No, none of the Russian skaters have failed a drug test, um, except for one, which was a meldonium test, which got uh, thrown out anyway because of that whole uh, debacle with with meldonium a couple of years ago. I don't know if you you remember that. Um, no. Meldonium was uh, actually Maria Sharapova got banned. Oh yes, okay. where it had just been put on the list, it, and yeah. then like a month later, but it stays in your system for a significant period of time. So they couldn't have, even if they stopped taking it the day it was banned, it would have still been in their system when the tests were done. Yeah. And, and also the fact that there was inconclusive evidence at some point, like fairly soon after that ban about how performance enhancing it actually was. So they actually just completely overturned everybody's suspensions anyway. Um, And so uh, Ekaterina Bobrova had that in her system and was banned from the, I think the 2016 world championships. And, uh, and then she ended up getting that overturned. So she's the only one who, uh, to my knowledge have, has had an issue with, with, with doping. And I'm, I'm assuming that because her, um, her doping was overturned that she won't have any issues getting to the Olympics either. So in general, doping is not an issue in figure skating. Not a known issue in figure oh, okay. right? I, what? I, like, like obviously, you just you don't know what you don't know, and we've right. seen we've seen in so many sports where you don't find out about anything until years and years later, and you know who knows? I uh, who knows what who is doing what or if anybody's doing anything? It's just that's what that's sports at this point in of, yeah. in, in the world. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, because I made a comment a couple episodes ago when we were talking about the band that I couldn't think of what doping could help figure skaters, except right. yep. if they needed to lose weight. Um, 
that yes um there's also there's also a, a factor of endurance mm -hmm. there's a factor of um doping potentially being something that allows athletes to recover faster from injuries um that kind of stuff uh but again there there has been nothing so it's um you know apart from like you know, Sudafed or, you know, it's like right. kind of, kind of dumb things that, that people just let slip. Um, there hasn't really been anything. Okay, good. Good. Yes. Right. <laughs> Thank We're goodness. We've done that one. That I know. doesn't have to worry about that as much. Yep. So for Pyeongchang, who, who should we be watching? Who should we be paying attention to? Do you want me to go through di the disciplines? Do you want me to yeah, just, let's, yeah. let's yeah. start, start with the ladies. Start with let's, the ladies, since we were talking about the ladies. Let's start with the ladies. So um, there are really, for me, four names to look at for for the ladies right now. Um, it's Yevgenia Medvedeva, Alina Zagitova, both from Russia, uh, Karolina Kostner from Italy. And we love because she's old. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and we are ageless, but she's for the sport, she is old. But I mean, for a four-time Olympian and skating, has, yeah. get out yeah. of town. She's been around since 2004, I think, in the senior ranks. I mean, she she was the one who denied Michelle Kwan uh, mm -hmm. kind of a spotless uh, top three medal, you know, finish for like 10 years uh, with that last competition at, at 2005 Worlds where she got, where Costner got the bronze and Michelle mm -hmm. got fourth. Um and uh, and the last one is Kaylin Osmond from Canada. So uh, for me, those are the four to look for. Uh, could somebody spoil? Of course, somebody could spoil. But percentage-wise, um, those those are the four that we're we're talking about now. The Americans, um, y you know, we have we have a we have a very nice nice team going. We've got. Uh, our most consistent skater in ages in Brady Tunnell, who's the new U.S. champion. We've got a resurgent Mariah Nagasu, who has mm -hmm. a triple axel, who is totally going in now to her second Olympics after being fourth in 2010, um, looking like, well, looking better than ever, but looking like she has uh, she has a job to do and she wants to prove it to everybody that she's still in it. And then you've got Karen Chen, who was fourth last year at the World Championships. So all three of these skaters could 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 you know do some damage uh, at the Olympics. But um, you know a, a lot of people have been talking about Medvedeva versus Zagitova as the 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 battle to watch for the gold medal, simply because they are so consistent. Um, but if Carolina Costner or Kaylin Osman can actually put down two clean programs, they have really got a shot there as well. And okay, and well, go I, ahead, Jeff. I understand that the Russians are really good at the jumps with the hand over the head or the arm overhead. Oh. Is that true? <laughs> I, I mean, it, it is. It is. It is true. Um, it's something that uh, that that they have. I wouldn't say revolutionized, but they, they've they've kind of included that in all of jump because it's something it's a it, like I said kind of point maximization. Uh, when you do that, it is a is a difficult variation 
to okay. a jump. And does is that because the 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 physics of the jump? Because usually you have both arms pulled in to make you exactly. kind of tight, and now you've added a like a not a propeller, but something that sticks out and breaks <laughs> breaks breaks the air. I, I'm like my physics is really good now. Yeah, but you well, know what I mean. Like you've put something like it's it's not wind resistance, but it's drags. It's more yeah. Drag. Well, it's okay. it's center of gravity as well okay. because you you completely change where where your body is in the air, um, and the the kind of more compact you make yourself, the the more you're able to kind of maintain an air position. The more you um, the more you you mess with it is is when you you kind of change up um, the the air position. That said. When you are training all of your jumps in that way, that becomes your norm. So it's not as if you are doing all you're doing six of your jumps with your with kind of the traditional pull in, and then one of your jumps is um, with your center of gravity somewhere else. It's that you are doing all of your jumps with your center of gravity somewhere else, and so in a lot of ways that actually takes the difficulty out of the difficult variation. Um, and so when you train them like that, when you're constantly just doing it like that, um, it actually makes it harder for you to do the normal variation of, of the jump. Um, and so that's kind of what happens. Uh, like, like if you if you looked at Brian Boitano back in the day and he did his tunnel LUTs, you rarely saw him do a regular triple LUTs because the regular triple LUTs messed with the center of gravity on the LUTs. Allowed to put that variation in even if a short program element is prescribed. Like if you said, yeah, 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 it's um, LUTs. It's, they it's, could do a LUTs regular or a LUTs with the arm overhead. Yeah, there is there is no um, there is no prescription as to like why uh, as to as to what air position you should do. Um, you could you you could you could put your arms helicopter style if you wanted it, and that's that that would actually be a very difficult variation, which you would never be able to do a triple jump on. But um, <laughs> definitely, I've seen people do double jumps with the helicopter arms before, which is pretty cool. Um, but it's it's actually for like it's it's to like square your your um, your body up. Uh, it's 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 a it's a drill that some people some coaches will do. Um, you know. I don't know if you you ask Brian Boitano if if his like regular air position changed his um, his center of gravity uh, and and that's why he didn't do it. But I, I don't know what he would say. But that that is my theory of it. Um, like you you literally when you see Evgenia Medvedeva do uh, like warm up her waltz jump for her for Which her is double like axle. the most very basic jump right the waltz jump is literally a half rotation jump where you where you jump forward um and it's it's something that a lot of skaters do to just kind of get their feet under them in warm-up when you see her do that she literally puts her arm over her head to do a waltz jump wow that's so so, so that's um so it's 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 that she's gotten so used to it. That's that's how that's how she she uh, uh, she trains basically everything except for a couple of jumps. Andrew, okay, I'm gonna so... I'm gonna take this on a tangent because I was wondering, do you think that if if enough skaters train that way, where the arm overhead becomes the norm, that the 
um, federation will adjust the rules or the scoring to not make that a bonus anymore. Just because, like, I was talking with Cross Country, and, like, they've adjusted the rules based on what people have come up with uh, technique-wise. So this is, I mean, like, you're getting, if this is your norm, but you're getting bonus for it, you know, is that is that good or right after a while? Exactly. So, so that is actually something that um, I, I have been a proponent of, which is, you know, if if you are going to do an arm variation on a jump, you you get positive grades of execution for it once in the program. So it makes it uh, unique. Yeah. Um, and and this is this, we're getting a little more inside baseball here, <laughs> but. Um, that has happened with other elements in figure skating. So when the judging system first started, um, everybody and their mom was doing Beelman spins and Beelman variations and Beelman. Okay, Beelman is when you grab, oh, your, you grab your blade, you pull it over your head. That is Backwards, correct. Over your, right. behind right. your back, behind your behind back. Your head. Behind your back. Yeah. Um, it's, Invented it's the by one, Denise Beelman. Exactly. It's, it's the yeah. one that everybody is like, ooh and ah on because it's, you know, it's got this flexibility element to it. Half backward. Yeah, exactly. And um, when Denise Beelman first did it back in the 70s and exactly. 80s. Yeah, I remember her. <laughs> <laughs> she, that was doesn't... she was the 1981 world champion. So she was skating in the, the second half of the 70s. Yes. Um, she when, when she did it, it was novel because nobody else was training that element. And when, when the judging system started, the Beelman position is something that earned you a special feature, and they're called features, um, in, in certain elements like spins, and at that point, the spiral sequence, which no longer exists. Um, and so in order to maximize points, you were doing the Beelman on everything. And, and at some point, the, the ISU was like, this is ridiculous because um, l- literally everybody was doing the Beelman because it maximizes points, so we're going to change up the rules. And so the rule now is that you can only do one of these variations once in, say, the three spins that you're doing um, in, in, in your program. And so... You'll see, I, you you will still see the Beelman variation, but you'll only see it once. Um, whereas in 2006, 2007, you saw it like five times in a program, and you're like, why are they still grabbing their blade and and putting it over their heads? Um, right. I remember we had gone too far when I started seeing Beelman death spirals. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, now now we've gone too far. Oh my lord! Yeah. Um, so, so you know the uh, the the it's it's that's what happens when you have uh, it's it's very much like economics. You have a profit maximizing uh, firm, which in this case is a point maximizing um, skater, who is trying to do everything in their power to gain as many points as they can, and they will do it in the 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 least painful way possible and so if you if you are rewarded for one thing and you can do it multiple times and you can actually do it then that's what you're going to do 
um, I don't blame the uh, the the, uh, the the skaters and the coaches for doing that. It's 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 the smart way to do it. But um, the ones who are actually regulating this environment, i.e., the ISU, have to recognize it and then figure out how to uh, make it so that it it does it doesn't turn into a sport where you're literally seeing cookie cutter programs over and over again. And I would argue that, especially over the past four. Uh, for to eight years, the 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 judging system has gotten to a much better level where there is a greater sense of individuality in programs that you didn't see during the first you know four to eight years when it when it first started. So another okay, tangent, so- uh, one more tangent. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why did they take out the spiral sequence? My lovely Michelle Kwan spiral sequence. Oh, she's the queen of the spiral sequence. Um, call the so this was this was a way for for um, really for the ISU to say, look, you can you you can and should do whatever it is that you want to do in order to fit your movements with the music. So. They took out the spiral sequence and they replaced it with the choreographic sequence. So there's still there's still spirals. So you um, you see somebody who's really good at spirals like Karen Chen or like Ryan Agasu, they will they will go ahead and do all the spirals that they want during that choreographic sequence. You see people who aren't nearly as good as at spirals do other things like spread eagles or Ina Bowers or other kinds of movements that are choreographic in nature. And, and that is, that is frankly was a way for, for the ISU to say, look, you can, you should do what you're good at. Not, not everybody should be lifting their leg up in weird positions just so that they can get some points if it doesn't make sense with the music. Um, so that's, that's partially why uh, it was taken out. I can go for that. Yeah, I mean, literally, like, there was a point when you when you saw a spiral sequence coming, you're like, oh my god, another spiral sequence, uh, be, because <laughs> not not everybody is Michelle Kwan, not right. everybody is Sasha Cohen, and and when you are not good at a spiral sequence, you are not good at a spiral sequence, and and the, the, you just you can't you can't and shouldn't force everybody to look the same and that's that's what that's what the the isu is trying to avoid do predictions and who to watch yes. uh, the men because the americans do have a very good shot on the men's side they sure do and one person in particular nathan chen um at this point based on everything that's been happening so far this season i would say he is actually now very much a favorite for the gold um, and I say that because this season has been a very inconsistent season for the men. There have been a lot of mistakes. Um, there have been, and Nathan Chen included, making a lot of mistakes. Um, there have been skaters trying to kind of outdo each other with, with the technical elements and, and just not with the percentages that you would be hoping that they would have in their programs. And so it's been a little bit of a messy fall season um, on the Grand Prix uh, and then also on, in a lot of the national championships, and and um, you know I I used to call it the big six um, with with Nathan Chen, Shoma Uno, Yuzuru Hanyu, um, Patrick Chan, Bo Yang Jin, and Mikhail Koyata, 
and now maybe it's the big five. I don't know because Patrick Chan just hasn't been his he hasn't been himself this season, and he's also scaling down his technical elements to try to be much cleaner. Um, oh, and, and Javier Fernandez, what I forget about him. Um, actually, Collada was not part of the conversation until fairly recently. So, um, uh, so those names that I mentioned, those are names that we should be looking for. Um, uh, but what is also happening is our reigning Olympic champion, Yuzuru Hanyu, had an injury in late November, mid-November, um, and he, he basically was uh, trying something very hard in practice, the quad lutz. That was a new jump for him. And uh, this was at home at NHA Trophy in, in Japan. And he did it in practice and just and uh, really wrecked his ankle. Um, and it was, uh, I, I think there was some ligament damage and it took him a while to even get back on the ice and i think he he got back on the ice um not jumping a few weeks ago and he missed his own national championships uh he will miss four continents and uh you know who knows he will he might even miss the team event because it's early so you can give him a little bit more time to recover um and they don't so, want to wear him out like what yeah. happened to uh, yes yeah yeah, where he well, had to he pull was, out of the men's. Yeah, and he was already hurt all season anyway. Yeah. So it was it was a tough one to. Uh, it, it, everybody in I remember in Sochi was just like amazed that he was even there skating. But yeah. you know, to to earn your country a gold medal, whether it's in the team or it's in the individual event, is 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 a huge accomplishment. And so that was his motivation. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so I mean, Nathan Chen at this point, um, he's the one who has had the the cleanest skate lately, which was at the U.S. Championships, um, where he was under the weather. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, that's that's kind of where we are right now with the state of men. The, the, the men could be another disaster like it was four years ago, or it could be really spectacular. Um, that's, I'm, I'm hoping for the latter. <laughs> okay, so dance. Dance. Dance okay. is fun. Yeah, oh. dance is Oh, good. I'm glad you guys think so. Dance has become a very different discipline over the past 12 years, um, especially with a lot of the North American influence, if you will, uh, making making it much more, um, yeah, much more athletic, and and you know, so much of that has to do with the judging system and how um, how they are actually um, judging elements as opposed to, you know, in a lot of ways prejudging the competition. Um, you know, I I think it's still. Dance is still the the event that is is most subjective, just because um, you know you, it's 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 so tough to discern uh, different levels of difficulty with the non jump elements that they have. But you know the 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 North American teams have have really made a push to the top and and who the the russian and former soviet union kind of eastern bloc sort of teams who used to dominate ice dance are no longer um 
nearly as dominant. Um, in fact, Russia's best hope would probably be a top five finish. And wow. that's even that is pushing it because of the depth of, of ice dance at this point. Um, but for dance, uh, two favorites, um, the, 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 the French and the Canadians, uh, the, the uh, Papadakis and Cicerone who won two of the last three world championship titles and then Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer who won the 2010 Olympics, won the 2014 Olympic silver and then came back to competition last year and won the world championships over the French. Um, and they, they have had a big, pretty, pretty intense battle this season. Um, and they, they know the stakes, they know how close it is. And, um, and in the, in their very recent competition, the grand prix final, it was, uh, it was the French team who prevailed. So, um, is that momentum going into, the Olympics is is that enough to kind of carry them forward? Who knows? But uh, one thing I do know is that it very much will come down to those those four performances and how you know if if there are any micro mistakes that make them uh, lose base value points because you know something was out of step or something was not a clean turn or um, things that to the naked eye it's probably less. Um, less discernible because of that, uh, because, because of, of how kind of nitpicky, uh, ice dance, um, calling the type of element calling is and judging is. And, um, and so there's your top two likely in some order. The U S is very strong sending three U S champions to the uh, to the Olympics, uh, I don't think any country has ever sent three U.S. champions to a um, to an ice dance event before. They've, um, I think, we've done that in um, we did that with with Evan Lysacek and uh, Johnny Weir and Jeremy Abbott for the men back in 2010. I mean, it's 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 not easy to have three national champions going right. to one event. Um, and so that's what's happening. Uh, they, they're, it's, they're definitely in a fight for the bronze. Um, and if anything happens uh, with the top two teams, you could you could bet that uh, one of those teams could have uh, some shot at the silver um, at at the least. Um, and and you know you would think that. All eyes would be on Maya and Alex Shibutani, who have won uh, world medals the last few years and have, for me, one of the best short dances in the world this this season. But um, uh, you've got two other teams, you know, Hubble and Donahue and Chalk and Bates coming in very, very hot as well. So um, that's going to be a, a really fun one to watch. And then you've got you've also got the other Canadians and then you've got the Russians and you've got like it's 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 dance is super deep and um, uh, it's it really only takes one little error for everything to get sh uh, shaken up. So in pairs. Yes. Is it still the Russians, Russians, Russians? No, it is not. the no. Russians, Russians, Russians. Uh, um, it is the Germans, Chinese and Russians. OK. 
So if you have heard of Aliona Savchenko, she was with her former partner, Robin Zelkoe, for the last two Olympics, three Olympics, two Olympics. I don't know. Um, but uh, she was there, I think, two medals over the last two Olympics with, an, with a different partner. She comes back with a new partner, and they, had ju they just won the Grand Prix final. Um, let me actually... And it's interesting to hear the, the new partner thing because the other half of this episode for us, we talked to uh, Nathan Bartholomew. And he, oh, was tell nice. he was telling us a lot about, uh, uh, w you know, getting a new partner and how to how to make that work kind of and quickly. And and Nate Nate is such a great pairs partner. Um, for him to have, kind of, for him to have been secure enough as a pairs partner to basically bring up someone who hasn't skated for like fifteen years. And make her the pair skater that she is. I mean, obviously she worked super hard, but she had to trust in someone to be able to not drop her or to be right. able to, you know, do well, the things that yeah, that, and that a, and, a, and attempt that throw quad soccer. Oh my lord! Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, huh. yeah. It's it's but pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, they were they were beautiful. Nobody is throwing me up in the air. <laughs> I've been <laughs> around for. I've been thrown a couple times, and it is horrifying it's i'm i'm literally in the air like what am i doing um <laughs> and these are like throw single axles you know and, and it's, <laughs> I, I don't know how i don't know how they do it but uh, but yes savchenko and Masso, they they did win the grand prix final and uh, over the reigning world champions sway and han who are who are the chinese pair that i was talking about um, and then you've got a couple of Russian pairs, and then you've got a, a, a Canadian pair, and then you've got another Chinese pair. Um, and again, like dance, uh, pairs is very deep. Um, but I think you've got, you have two favorites for the gold, and then you've got a bunch of uh, pairs who are looking at bronze and looking to sneak into those top two spots. Um, but it's... Uh, last last year at the world championships it was it was a fight just to get into the final uh 16 for the free skate like one of the american pairs didn't even get in to the final 16 which is just crazy um and and so uh with pairs uh kind of like with the men it, it could be really spectacular and it could be a, a a complete disaster but i i i think I think with the pairs as they are now, it's actually going to be a really, really fun discipline to watch. And the North Korean pair. Yes. Do you have you seen them? Have you? Okay. I, ha I have seen them. Um, they they were at the World Championship last year. I think they were fifteenth, and um, and then they were at Nebelhorn Trophy, which is where they qualified that North America or North North Korean spot. Um, that they that uh, at that point, which was what in September. So I haven't seen them since September. They're going to be at Four Continents um, in the middle of January, and so that will be their first competition since they qualified that spot for the Olympics. And they actually 
uh, they actually trained over the summer with Bruno Marcotte, who is a uh, uh, Canadian coach, and they were in Montreal for a few months. And um, this pair is super. I mean, they they are um, they're they're not going to win a medal, but um, they have very very solid pair skills, um, very much modeled after the Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would not be surprised if if they had trained with the Chinese at some point, uh, because all of their elements are, uh, if you if you look at the way that the the traditional Chinese elements are, they are very very similar uh, in style and in um, in just in, in in look and feel to the the, the traditional Chinese pair elements. Um, they they are. You know they are probably an outside shot for the top ten, um, but uh, the you know it's it's great to to know that they will be there and and that uh, um, you know the Olympic spirit's kind of alive and well in that sense. Okay, I just wanted to ask your favorite, some of your favorite Olympic memories, some of the ones that really stick in your brain. And I know you. Uh, I mean, uh, there there are so many. I mean, my. One of my favorites is um, Kurt Browning back in '94 when, you know, everybody knew his history with the Olympics and how kind of devastated he was in '92, and then in '94 it kind of happened again in the short program, and for him to climb back from I think what was it 12th place to finish fourth or something to that effect, um, I'm probably getting it wrong, but uh, for him to to have that moment was was pretty spectacular. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, Sarah Hughes in 2002, um, that, that fantastic, uh, free skate, um, you know, Tara Lipinski 98, even though, um, you know, my, my, my heart is always with Michelle Kwan because it's just like there, but, you know, Tara just skated that, that just such an exuberant program. Um, and, you know, then then you look at um, you look at. Oh, of course, I haven't I haven't mentioned this one. Yuna Kim's um, uh, Olympic programs from 2010. Still, for me, two of the very very best programs ever skated, and the fact that back in the day she got such a huge score at the Olympics for her six triple free skate. Um, whereas now everybody's doing seven triples very regularly and, you know, still barely, you know, uh, getting the, 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 the scores that she was getting at that Olympics. Um, it's pretty spectacular. Um, and then, you know, Shannon Zhao, in 2010, uh, it, their their short program, not their free skate, but their short program was was spectacular. Um, although, uh, if it weren't Shen and Zhao um, being at the top, they probably wouldn't have won it because uh, because their teammates skated to very that that free skate um, that Peng and Tong skated to it at the Olympics in 2010 was just magnificent. And if it weren't for if it weren't Shen and Zhao, I think it would have been them winning the the gold um uh so yeah all good choices <laughs> you, as, as you as you see my 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 memories of figure skating in the olympics go back to about the early 90s because that's where yeah I, I came from 
It's okay. I, ne I, I never watched figures. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I started watching wow. figure skating after figures was eliminated. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, you must, like... Well, no, you must be grateful because boy, those were boring. Oh my Lord. Um, I mean, it's, it's cool to watch. It's just not cool to watch for hours and hours and hours. And that's it why it was boring. hours and hours. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And horrible um, television. <laughs> now, they, now they could probably do it a little bit better with like a drone overhead or something or better cameras. But back then it was they like. Really did, they really didn't te televise it much. They would no, sort they, of do a compilation yeah, at the yeah, end like and give you like one, you know, oh, this happened. And they might mm -hmm. show somebody's huge mistake or something. But right. Do they still, I would, out of curiosity. People... I, yeah, I know this is not, not going in, but do they still teach <laughs> figures the same way? Oh, yeah, they okay. do. They do. Okay, you have they to teach start figures. with a big, Okay. There are still figure competitions, uh, but that's oh, wow. more old school. Okay. Um, they teach figures in a very different way uh, than they used to because it's not competed. Um, but there was a there was a time after figures were eliminated where um, skaters didn't grow up doing some of the harder stuff like paragraph loops and you know the 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 stuff that you know if you're a really old school figure skater you're like wow they don't they don't teach any of this anymore <laughs> get off my yard um but actually you 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 see you see some of the old school figures now back into um uh step sequences and you know transitions and all of those things and um um i i would argue that um skating now is actually more in some ways more refined than skating in the 90s because of that kind of re-emphasis of some of these harder things um, do they teach them the same way no um, and and the purists will be like well they didn't spend you know 10 hours of their morning on you know freezing ice just tracing circles and they're like oh yeah no. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jackie. You Absolutely. We appreciate it so much. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olymp Fever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive.